You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. John Williams is rolling in his grave. <laughs> is he dead? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. But he will be rolling in his grave when he hears that. When what? he hears that. What was that? When he hears that. Yeah. You reckon he's going to be listening to He this? does listen. He's told me. All right, get you. Yes. He listens in between his, uh, when he's making movies. That was a little par for the course for our pre... Well, before the after the show discussion. You and I are very different. I was saying I... I, don't, I don't know if we have established that we're married to each other. And you're very different from me. I have what I like to call a realistic brain... <laughs> and you have what I like to call a non-realistic brain. Like that's just the way it is. It's the fact. There's no that's other not, way. Of that's not the truth. <laughs> and you, I can't help it. Like you look at that. Okay, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it straight up, just the way I'd say it to any normal person. It wasn't you, because you're kind of sensitive about shit. It's just a stupid DVD cover. I don't give a shit about it. And then you're like, the 3D looks like it's really jumping out at you and stuff. And while inside of me, I'm like, it doesn't do anything for me. I can see that it kind of pokes out a tiny bit. Uh, but well, Let's so explain what it is. Um, a lenticular right. cover for this yeah. movie. But I've also seen lots of paintings and drawings of Tromflaol and paintings that use perspective. And I see real life. So, like, right now I'm sitting directly in front of you. This microphone is pretty big compared to like your hand because you're further away and if you were closer you would look like you're jetting out at me i mean that's reality and that i see and i grasp and that's more interesting than me than someone doing a trick it, it, you know it just the trickery of 3d doesn't do anything for me so but then i'd say to you well i think you kind of just sort of buy into it like your eyes sort of catches the glimmer of what's supposed to be 3d image and then your mind fills it all in and you're like look at it his arm's sticking out and this is poking way out i'm not imagining it i'm not saying you're imagining it i'm saying you 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 don't have we don't have the same brain i don't run with it i wouldn't get excited about that i get excited about other things but i feel like i'm the skeptic you are the cynic the realist and you sort of have your head in the cloud sometimes <laughs> when it comes to like excitement about things. And I don't know if that applies to this movie at all, but I think it does a little bit in terms of your excitement about the dinosaurs overall, the Jurassic Park movies, not necessarily the quality of each one, but you know, the like <gasps> dinosaurs, look how cool it is. And I don't have that exactly. So. All right. So I uh, cover the, that covers it. I think we're done. <laughs> it is Saturday, November the 21st, and this is after the show, number 402, and if you don't know by now, we are reviewing the movie Jurassic World. It's a 2015 movie, it's already out on Blu-ray, you can pick it up, PG-13, from our friends at Universal, and Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the fourth Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World. I think you summed it up right there. It's the fourth in a series about Jurassic Park. There are dinosaurs... That have been brought back to life and genetically modified by humans in a big park, a theme park. Yes. Amusement park. And, uh, hmm, 
how can I say this? Something goes terribly wrong with the dinosaurs and humans are in danger. That's it. <laughs> and in this one, we have a guy who's like Mr. Wonderful. And we have a woman who's like Miss Business. We, we have a couple of kids in danger. We have a jerk who wants to be Mr. Military with it all. And... All right, so <laughs> you know really what it's about rave. now? So, That's a rave review right there. So let's move on to the film itself. Uh, so I've been looking forward to Jurassic World for so long because I said to you, when I, when I caught a glimpse of a trailer a long time ago, when they teased it about two years before it came out, that, they were, that it was a fully functioning Jurassic Park. And I always said to you, the sequels of Jurassic Park never really did that much for me because I always wanted to see the theme park of Jurassic Park. Not, oh, there was a theme park and here's some people running around trying to, you know. That never appealed to me that much. So the first one I loved because you get a glimpse of it, but it goes south pretty quick and it's not really a functioning theme park anymore. But I saw in this trailer that there's a theme park and we get to see the rides and we get to see how it operates. Um, So that was exciting to me. So, uh, watching this movie, I think it, for me, anyway, it delivered on those things. It delivered on a fully functioning theme park. It delivered on dinosaurs going ape shit in a theme park with people in it. Don't you mean dinosaur shit? Yes. <laughs> and it also... They predate apes, see? That's my joke. Delivered on the special effects. Well, excellent. Um, it's... A negative I have, I don't even know if it's a negative, is I know this one's not made by Steven Spielberg, but he is involved as a producer and obviously keeping the whole brand together, like how it works, Jurassic Park. But even even the original Jurassic Park, how Spielberg does things, it's very old-fashioned-like and very stereotypes and big characters like in like you listen to radio plays and stuff yep it's a lot yep. of that like oh yeah it's, it's obvious who people are before you even you see can tell it. that uh steven spielberg listened to a lot of johnny dollar yeah. and uh, x minus one and all the i mean the shadow and the whistler and there's lots of adventure sci-fi radio shows from the 40s indiana 50s. jones came from that stuff yep um so this has a lot of that. It's like, oh, that's that, you know, you don't even have to, they don't have to open the mouth for characters just from the way they're dressed. It's like, oh, yeah, bad guy, yep. good guy, annoying person who's probably going to be good in the end. You can kind of piece all that together before it even happens. And I was not wrong because everything yep. I was thinking was exactly that. Um, so that kind of bugs me a little bit. It's kind of old fashioned and really dumbed down. Like it just makes you feel like, we don't even need a story in this movie, really, because we've just got stereotypes. And there isn't we, really a story. We're just there for the action. Let's be honest. There yeah. isn't that much of a story. I mean, we're clinging it And you can say there. that about a lot of Spielberg's big action-packed movies. But I don't know. Like, what else doesn't have a I story? Would, I would... Well, not doesn't have a story, because it does have a story. I just mean it's very... It's like a... It's just like this chalk outline of a story, but then we're getting to the special effects. Um, Indiana Jones, you could say. It's... It, a lot of the story is just to get to big action pieces that are fun to watch. It's kind of how he makes films. And I know he didn't make this one, but this guy who made this one was obviously, from him ass. talking... Let's be up his ass. He was doing what <laughs> Spielberg would do, trying to template a Spielberg movie. Um, so that would be a complaint I have, that it just feels very ordinary from that point of view, and nothing... I didn't think in the movie 
is suspenseful, really, because it's all very predictable. I mean, I there are some moments where I was like, oh, shit, they went that far with it? Oh, that's pretty cool. But as far as most of it goes, you kind of know where it's going, and you, and it really much ends up... It ended where I thought it would end. You know, the same thing. So, um, but the special effects, the actual set pieces, the tension created, the moments where I was like, oh, they did that? Like, there's, there's a moment where... Mm-hmm. Well, there's many moments where it's like, oh, they really went that far. Like, <laughs> it doesn't look like. When sometimes... I actually said, "Holy shit!" Yeah, not because it's like, whoa, so amazing, but just like, whoa, they went there with that. Because wow. in movies like this, where they're aimed at everybody, you know, it's a general audience. I mean, it's a PG thirteen this one, but still, you could sit with your kids and watch it. It's not obscene and full of swearing and all that, but. There was moments where I was like, "Oh, that's pretty." There's an intense moment where the um, the where they send that posse of dudes with mm-hmm. the black, and he looks up and there's blood dripping and stuff. That all that whole moment, all that whole area of the movie reminded me of something like Predator. I was like, "This is suspenseful." You don't know what's how these guys are gonna. You know, I'm not really spoiling it to say these guys might meet their end. It's, See, this is one of those examples of times when your mind is very different from mine. There's no suspense to me, not from one single instant of this whole movie. Not one second am I worried about this person either dying or not dying. The only one I wasn't suspenseful about, I was surprised about the hmm. that one. But there's no other moments of like, oh, they're not going to make it. Like, I never have that. I think that it just doesn't work I, for me. I kind of do in the moment. I kind of forget that. They have oh, to eliminate that for me immediately in the beginning. They have to get me to like somebody, know somebody who seems important, and bite their head off. And then I'll be going like, oh, is that it? Is that, the, is that the only one? Are we really digging in our heels here? Then I'm convinced something could happen. But no, never, ever. I Never am I sitting there going, I wonder if they're going to be okay. Because, I, I, mean, I mean, we've all seen most Jurassic Park movies. And the original Jurassic Park was, I've said, there's, there's a few movies in the, in my uh, watching movie um, history. Yeah. Where I have sat back after it and gone, that is something I have never seen before. And uh, the ones that jut out to me are the original Jurassic Park, watching it in the theatre when it came out, and walking out of the theatre going, holy crap, Star Wars is an, Star Wars Jurassic Park. E.T. was another one where I was like, holy crap, that's, I was taken away with that story, like I was taken somewhere and, it, and I, I lived that story, you know. Um, Terminator 2 was another one and that was the special effects, purely the special effects were like another, out of this world, you'd never seen anything like that at the time. Uh, and recently, Avatar, which is like, I'm watching something from the future here, this is not like anything I've ever seen, this is like... How everybody else is doing something, and this movie has just like ruined all that stuff. It made it look bad, like so. Jurassic Park always was like that for me, the original, and it still holds up actually. If you just watch those, you know, I've seen some of the uh, not watched the film recently, but seen the clips, they look really good. And they're animatronic dinosaurs with some CG, but it's not fully CG. Like this movie is like CG dinosaurs. Yes. There was I there was never a moment in this movie I didn't buy the dinosaurs at all. They were dinosaurs, they felt heavy. 
the the sound in this movie is amazing. Like I said to you, this shit coming from behind you a lot, and we don't even have any speakers behind. We have them at the side. That's that's amazing. They feel really heavy. The 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 bass that they create and stuff. You know when the foot. You know when uh, there's a scene at the beginning where there's a um a car and he's hiding underneath the car and and the dinosaurs wandering. Yeah. It feels like that is there, like in this room with me. Is I don't not buy the dinosaurs. They don't like look a bit weird or move weird. It's all spot on to me. Do you as want... if you've seen a lot of dinosaurs? I have never seen a dinosaur, but I don't disbelieve these dinosaurs. You know, it doesn't feel green screeny like that. No, not it at all. feels like dinosaurs are chasing them down. I like the new dinosaur that is introduced in this movie. It's menacing as shit because it's really huge. But um, it isn't. It's not any. It's not. It's only marginally bigger than T. Yeah, but I mean, that's the biggest see, one you've ever my, seen. This is me. It's hard to impress me. It's hard to make me go. <gasps> right. So. What about the Walter? This one? one would have to be. That one's huge. Yeah. That one makes it makes me go. Oh, I mean, that's humongous. But now that I've seen it, the next one has to be twice as big. <laughs> because, you know, I have a hard time. I've always had a hard time grasping the size of like a whale. Ever, you know, and thinking about them, like, that's impressive. But, you know, when you see them in the ocean on documentary, unless they put a person up next to it, even then you, it's hard to grasp. So in Germany, we went to a museum that was like a whale, like a seaside museum. And they had the, the, a two scale sized whale, like a replica of the outside of half of it was the outside. And then you walked around and the inside was the skeletal, everything in the tongue and all that. And it was the full size of a whale. And then I was like, holy shit. But now I'd have to see something like twice as big to be like, whoa, that's really big. So I have a hard time with this creature. At first you introduce and you're like, whoa, it seems big and everything, but it's scary. Don't get me wrong. It might gobble me up in an instant, but it didn't make me go <gasps> any more than the T-Rex did in the in the first one. I don't like to compare, but I'm just saying that was my only reference to dinosaurs in these movies. The other thing I really loved in this movie was actual glimpses of the theme park, the rides. Like, you know, the, in those little bubble car things, mm-hmm. things like that, where it's like, oh. That's why I thought when you say you want to see a, a working park. Well, the fact is that it didn't come across to me enough. We didn't get enough time of people getting going through and through and through the rides and tons and tons they of seeing in the visitor center, which but, has changed a lot since the visitor center from Jurassic Park. It's like a modern visitor well, it's a center. Totally different place. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying it's based yeah, but that on Hammond's vision. Still didn't vision. give me the sense of a other than them telling me there's 21,000 people here, and then you see some you see them from a distance over you know bird's eye view. I still didn't get the full because they're not everywhere, are they? Once we say alert, that's it. There's nobody else roaming around. Therefore, you're right back to the first three movies. Right. There's nobody out and about. There's just our main people who are in danger. So that too didn't seem to scale to me. It was like, hey, everybody, we're going to tell you there's 20,000 people here. But 90% of the movie, we're not going to see anyone except our four main characters. So that kind of got I mean, they did do that. And you know what? Um, I was disappointed in that. And I was thinking, when the kids got split up and they were looking for the kids, I was thinking, this is the rest of the movie now, isn't it? This is the rest of the movie. <laughs> I actually thought that to myself. Okay, so the whole adventure now is this. <laughs> and I thought, and that reminds me of Jurassic Park 3, so I'm not really into that. But then, you know, within a few few minutes, 
we're back in the main part of the park and there's that awesome scene happening. The the part that I'm not going to spoil, but the big... Yep, um, yep. That happens. And then I was like, okay, okay, you've redeemed yourself. Because if you would have gone down that path of just looking for kids in the jungle, four people in the entire movie for the rest of the movie, it would have been another Jurassic Park 3 for me, which I dislike Jurassic Park 3, I have to say. I just don't like it very much. Um... So, yeah, they did redeem themselves because there was a payoff scene for me, and that was that big scene there. Um, I didn't think it was particularly clever in any way. I didn't think the ending, where it leaves it on an ending. It's very fanservice-y, like, oh, look, there's the thing that you all love. It <laughs> feels like that to me. Like, oh, we just want to, hey, let's hack them back to the other Jurassic Parks, and look, here's your thing. That's how it felt to me. Obviously setting it up for a sequel. There's two sequels coming. Um, but it's a whole lot better for me. I prefer this movie to the second one and the third one. Like, I really, I love the first one the best. But um, this had a lot of thrills. It had a you know, it was modern, so it, it didn't look hokey in any way. I like the dangerous sequences. Like you, though. It's I what never... you say now, but if you would watch Jurassic Park again, you would see the, like, we even saw little tiny clips of it in the extras. And it was very different in terms of quality because the way we know now about them having people like the eye line of things, you know, when there's something there that isn't there. Now, they showed a little clip of a, just from the original movie and it was totally off. The whole group of them were like all huddled yeah. and they were a little, their, their tone, their contrast was a little off. The dinosaur wasn't in exactly the right place where everybody was supposed to be staring. So I think that if you say, oh, it looks very modern and very, well, in 10 years, you're not going to say that, I don't think. But I don't know. It, it was impressive to me as a big spectacle-y type thing. Um, like I said to you, I don't... Definitely a spectacle. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive in that way. But like, like I say, the script is very... There's a lot of people who walk on the screen and do expert expiratory people you know those people <laughs> hey blah 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 and then you finish that scene and you go oh now i know like what's what that is all about you know so there's a lot of that in this movie and i, I feel that is how spielberg works anyway that is a lot of his movies are very spoon-fed yeah like to the point kind of it's, it's just like um you walk in a room in this movie it does it quite a bit actually when some scientists have to explain something or they have to explain why this thing is cooped up in this... They've bred this new dinosaur in this thing. So they walk two of the main characters in and... Oh, what's this broken glass? You know, it's like all very... like hey, We've got to set up a thing here so you feel like it's dangerous. When I didn't actually feel like it was particularly dangerous at, at first. Oh, I agree. In that when it showed... They were trying to... By showing you this room that she walks into and it overlooks the paddock where it is. And there was a crack in the glass and there's some scrapes on the wall. It was supposed to make you think, oh, this is really scary. But it had been in there a long time, right? In that enclosure. How long? They didn't say. They just said it's whole life. Yeah. So it had grown from a child to an adult in that place and nothing had ever gone wrong. So I didn't particularly feel like, oh, it's really... I felt that the humans were like the probably the ones who were going to mess up by <laughs> leaving the gate open or something. Right, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of... Until he tells you. Animals yeah. raised in captivity who are alone. Go That's what I mean. He's yeah, doing yeah. that. There's a lot of that, isn't yep. it? The script is made up of that. It's made up that of That also people. is very radio. 
I know that sounds weird, and unless you would listen to these old radio shows, it is exactly that. All they had was audio. Yeah, because you can't. You get a lot of exposition in Steven Spielberg movies, if you notice. Because he's old timey. It's folded in well. And this isn't a Steven Spielberg. No, but but it is. Yeah, it's inspired. It almost like we said. It feels like this director was trying to do what Spielberg would have done if he made this movie. That's that's just how it seems to me. Like, do you like it, Dad? Do you like it, Dad? That's do you exactly like it, Dad? how I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like, we really wanted to make it like you would have. And I know you've not got the time to make it, so we're going to make it like you would. You know? So, um, let's go on to the cast. Uh, what does Spielberg think of two and three? Did uh, he do those? I don't actually know what he thinks of two. I th- he did two, but not three. I believe. Um, so, what do you think of the cast? Let's go on to uh, Chris Pratt plays Owen. We know him. Um, we We didn't know him. And then all of a sudden he came into our lives in Guardians of the Galaxy. For us, anyway, because we didn't watch Parks and Recreation. No. So Guardians of the Galaxy is our Chris Pat, Pratt knowledge. <laughs> and I really loved him in that, and that's one of my favorite movies. It really instantly went into one of my favorite movies. Um, what did you think of him as Owen? It was fine. Pretty neutral, to be honest. Did you find him as charism- uh, char- charismatic Charismatic as Starkiller? I'm not going to compare. I'm going to say in this movie, this character... Didn't really do that much for me. It was like he was. I was. I'm not fully still understanding his whole thing. He's the dinosaur whisperer, right? But <laughs> you know, I don't get how that makes him an expert on the whole of it. That kind of was a puzzle in my mind the whole time. Like it didn't explain it, did it? No. It was just like, hey, he did this. He's been talking to them. And, and now, although I like his sense of humor and his sort of flatness a lot of times, you know, when he delivers a line, like when she does her sleeves and then he goes, okay, what does that mean? And he's, he doesn't have that. He does have one liners, which is not his response, not his fault, but he delivers them in a way that's better to me than a lot of other one liner m- movie actors. So I'll give him credit for that. But I'm pretty neutral. I mean, he's fine, but he could have also been a lot of other people. There wasn't there was anything about him that made me go, that character is him. He's filling those shoes of that guy, whatever his name is. Owen. Owen. And making him a real, like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see what next adventure he has. And it's fairly, it's a very typical, again, like a Steven Spielberg, a very typical hero-y type. This is a very man-centric movie. Yeah. And I know that... The well, director tried to pull that bullshit by saying, I think she's the main character because of her arc. No, you don't. Otherwise, there would be more than one woman. Well, I'm sorry, two women. And half of those women don't fare so Three well. women. There's Barely. Also, yeah. Barely. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> one is a crying, whimpering mother. Oh, four women. One is a business-driven woman who has no concern for her children, hardly. And one is a hapless assistant. Everyone else is a dude. A little boy who... I'm also thinking about the girl behind the desk. Um... The radio. Yeah, thing. but she didn't do it. I mean, she was barely there. I mean, she didn't have any authority. She didn't make any decisions. She didn't have any vital role. She could have been anybody. She could have been non-existent, to be honest. So this is a very man-centric. Whole of the story is all very male-oriented. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it gets a little boring. And it was very obvious very quickly. But aside from it being a male-driven uh, mo- uh, movie... Um... Yeah, but I think that feeds into how his character is so uninteresting right. because there's nothing there's no strong female person really but the, let's, let's move on to Bryce Dallas Howard she plays Claire and she's pretty much on she's probably on the screen as much as Chris Pratt is in the, you know she's the 
he says that she's the hero or the director. But she's not interesting to me. She's a stereotype, right? She's very just the. Um, she's like a paper doll. She is. Um, I was thinking, aliens. The dude from Aliens, the business person. Well, no, she's not Paul Reiser, not necessarily, because she's not willing to let it all go down in flames. I mean, let the people I mean, you, all go you, down in flames. That's how it feels at the beginning, until you get to know her a bit. It feels like she has no interest in anything, just I making money. Only because she's not bad. Even the guy who owns the park's not as interested in making money as she is. So it's like, but she's not doing it maliciously. Paul no. Reiser was a prat. That guy. Uh, no. But she's that character, is what I'm saying. The the one who. To me, here's how I describe you're her. Gonna she's not like, like this her. empty, vapid. She is a puppet of what a quote unquote businesswoman is pretending to be. She's got to be hardline and really tough and know her numbers and keep everybody on point. But there's nothing to her. We know she doesn't have children, and we know she doesn't care about the children, and she barely talks to her sister, and blah, blah. It's like a very quick, here's who she is. Oh, wait, she's nothing. There's nothing to her. And as we go through the movie, we still find nothing out about her, except... That she's a bit more brave than we might think she'd be. Right, but nothing even gives us a clue to that. And while I don't mind characters surprising you, it's also a lazy way out sometimes. If you don't even give them a chance... Until at one point they have no choice, you know. So, and I like her, the actress, but I, her character was like, I need something more interesting. Like, just so, even if she'd been slightly malicious and slightly bad and maybe had a bad intention, that would have made her more interesting than nothingness. She wasn't yeah. that interested in saving everybody. Like I mean, she, she was, cared about she her nephews ultimately, kind but of. it took her a while to get around to that fact, right? Yeah. She didn't really know much about But then even when that happened, unfortunately, I don't know that Bryce Howard has it in her to be that it didn't pull out any emotion in me. Because if I were then to have to run and discover that my niece and nieces or nephews were alive, I would be a crumbling mess. Like, because that's reality. I think maybe she was subduing it because the, like, the character would be... Um, she's I wouldn't still... give her that much credit. I'd say she just didn't pull that part off very um, So, yeah... Uh, one thing I had a problem with with her, uh, for me, is I generally am all over female heroes and female badass characters. But she's not at all. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm, and, and they tried to pull that off with her. Did they? I think so, when she shot and saved him and when she um, actually ultimately ended what was happening. She was, they tried to do it twice. There was two moments where she, they were trying to say, hey, look, she's badass. And uh, it didn't work. I think she's more badass because she runs around in her high heels the whole time. That and is she badass. Does do, she does. She never removes the high heels. That is actually a, yeah, exactly. obviously a thing that they made in the movie to say, no, she would never take those off. She's a businesswoman yeah. at heart. And she's, yeah, running in them. But there were two moments where they were trying to do a, she's cool and she's hard and she's going to... And I'm normally all over that. I love Kill Bill and I love Ripley and Aliens. Don't even compare her to them. No, I'm just saying... And they were trying to do that there, and it kind of misfired. Do you reckon? Me. I don't think that at all. I disagree with you. Yeah, completely. I do think they were trying. I don't to think do so. That. Or they Especially the slow her. motion scene. I disagree. I think they would have filled it in a lot more if they were going for that. But it didn't work on me. So uh, I'm saying I'm usually all over that, and it... I'm saying they weren't even trying that. But I did like her. She is a good actress. She's all right. Yeah, I, I actually think she's good. I, I, I think she was um, good at portraying that kind of off person who is not exactly likable. So um, Ifran Khan plays Mazrani, and what he is, is he's like the guy who owns the park now, and he was a friend of John Hammond, so he was always wanting to 
what he's wanting to do with this new pack, and that's his ultimate thing. Isn't it's not to make the money; it's to make people happy and to make fulfill Hammond's wish of making this awesome pack that people would be able to learn about dinosaurs and experience dinosaurs. And uh, I like that guy who plays him a lot, but again, in this, it's kind of wooden. He feels like a he's a vehicle to tell you some things and to contrast with Bryce Dallas Howard to show that she's her her she you know it's in the wrong place her where she's working from she you know she's just interested in like day to day figures and looking at poles and all that and he's like no is people, everybody having fun are people having fun are, are the animals happy and she doesn't even uh, we can't tell that she's right like, he, and he's you know he's just like a humanitarian but he's type also guy. quite empty yeah but I like the guy who the plays The most him. in-depth people are coming up. So next up is Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays Hoskins. Oh, not him. <laughs> and you would... He's the, you know... Jerk. Yeah, jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's uh, the Paul Reiser guy almost. But I really like Vincent D'Onofrio. But again, the script in this movie is very utilitarian. It's just to tell you what's about to happen and then get you to an action scene. That's really... Much, there's no character development or depth really to anything. So... Any scenes that he does. I, I did like the scene where he was talking to Chris Pratt and they had the... He was, you know, uh, looking through the bars near the beginning. I did like that scene, even though that was another, ex, you know, expedition type... Exposition type thing. Um, but yeah, he didn't really have much to work with. Uh, Ty Simpkins is Grey and Nick Robinson is Zach. They're the two kids in this um, movie. And the two kids are, you know, there for... We see the movie through the eyes of the kids mostly, right? I mean, it starts with the kids. I cared more about them and felt like I... We don't know loads about them, but I felt more... And they weren't in it that much, but no. they were fine. Yeah. Yeah, they were fine as kids. I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of difference between, like, modern day kids to the kids in the original Jurassic Park. I mean, things have changed. This kid's, like, uninterested in... And that's that's actually a pro. I thought that was an interesting part of this story. Well, he's a teenager. Yeah, I know, but I actually thought that was an interesting part of this story about when she was talking about Jurassic World. It's amazing. We'd all love to go to a Jurassic World. It's, dinosaurs live with us again. It's amazing. And she was talking about how people polls were saying that they were, we're not all in, over it. Yeah, people we're are done. not that interested anymore. Yeah. We need to get some. Which tells a bit about our modern day world as well. I liked that. I aspect. think it was a commentary on the movies. Yeah. The last movie wasn't enough, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the kids, they're okay. Again, they're a vehicle to peril. They're just... Everything's a vehicle to peril, isn't it? It's just, oh, we need things to... They barely solve any problems. They don't make loads of choices. They do a few, you know, just to get by, but... Convenient choices a little bit. Uh, I mean, convenient (laughs) fixing the thing, you know. There's a... And remember when me and Grant, me, we and us and Grandpa did that thing, and now yeah. we do that. This thing. isn't a clever <laughs> script. This is not clever at all. Like it's very, you know, you the dinosaurs are the clever part. <laughs> um, so uh, Katie McGrath plays Zara. She's like the British. Uh, would you call her a nanny, or is she just a no? Assistant? She's just her assistant. She yeah. has nothing to do with being a nanny. No, she, just she looks after. I, I just think it's good that she's looking after these kids, but that's not that's not because she wants. She's just been given this job to yeah. look after the nephews. Uh, so yeah, um, what do you think of her? Nothing. She's okay. 
And B.D. Wong, who appeared in the first movie as this same character, Dr. Henry Wu. Um, again, he's the scientist character who tells you some stuff. I like the guy, though. I really like that guy. And I was yeah. like, yeah, he's from the original one. I can remember him talking to Hammond. And then I was like, wow, he doesn't seem like he's aged. He just seemed, looks the same. Like, he, But um, I do like him. But again, underutilized. A lot of underutilized stuff. Because in this movie, it is a lot of action. Like 80% of the movie is action. Running away from things, dinosaurs, doing stuff. It barely stops for people to talk to each other. The beginning part, the first 15 minutes before it all goes off. Even that, there's not much dialogue between people. There's a lot of, hey, let's look at the park from above. and Yeah. It's a lot of that. So, yeah, it is a very simplistic kind of film to watch, I think. It's not not an acting movie or anything like that. But uh, I think everybody did an all right job, though. I, I, I can't say, like, oh, they're horrible. Like, everybody in it sucks. Like, I hate it. Just neutral. Yeah. So this is directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did... Tavara. Tar- <laughs> I can't get his Like, name. tomorrow, Tavara. Yeah, you can. Tavara, tomorrow. Tavara. That's the way I remember. He didn't do anything before this movie. Some short films. And then he did Jurassic Park 4, which is, like, one of the biggest films of this year. And next he's doing Star Wars Episode Nine, which is one of the biggest films ever. So... Under Abrams. He did, he did Star Wars Episode Seven. J.J. Abrams. Right. Why isn't he, he doing them all? He isn't, just doing the first one. And then they got different directors for the, all the other ones. Similar to how Star Wars worked. Because George Lucas did Star Wars and then Irving Kirshner did Empire Strikes Back and Irving Kirshner did Return of the Jedi, I think. No, somebody else might have done Return of the Jedi. They don't. Lucas didn't stick around for all those movies either. But um, I often wonder how a director is like a short film guy and then he makes like... The next thing he does is Jurassic Park, and then the next thing he does is Star Wars. I often wonder how that happens. Is it a, is he a massive talent that somebody spots? I think because those a, are big jobs. I think he's a puppet. I think he's good at I managing, mean, and he's good at directing, as in... But how does that happen? I think like? he's more of a project manager, and I think that's what franchises like this would be looking for. And if you come across somebody like that... Who isn't going to come in and try to change everything around and put their own stamp on it and be all artsy-fartsy and shit and say, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do the, we're not going to have the hero and we're not going to have the kids and we're not going to have the thing and the, you know, they don't want somebody like that. They want puppet on a string. And I think while he's super competent and he manages the whole situation, that's why I think of him as a project manager. He did seem like he had to handle it when you saw him on the set. Right, but that's a project manager. Yeah. It didn't seem like someone with a vision of any... Anything other than, I'm making this for Stephen. <laughs> like, that was really all I got the gist of. I just wonder how a... I've made a short film, one or two short films, that, you know, as you know, short films go unnoticed a lot of the time. Cause not people, in the film world. No, but then... By you, you and me, but not... But Stephen. what I mean is, you made say you made a 10-minute film. How does does it go from you making a 10-minute film to making Jurassic World? I, and then making Star Wars after that. I can see that some of they probably looked at Jurassic World and went, wow, this made a lot of money and it, it was actually pretty good. Let's give him the Star Wars job. But I don't see how that translates. I don't, you know, it's like, it's, it's if I was like uh, the person in charge of Star Wars, I, I don't know how you would choose a director. Wouldn't you choose from somebody who you know what they can do? And Well, that's what I'm saying. They know more than we do. Oh, yeah. do they? Of course they do. I'm just joking with that. Anyway, extras. Um, there are some extras on this Blu-ray. 
you actually get, it's actually a pretty loaded pack. You get 3D, the 3D Blu-ray, the normal Blu-ray, the DVD, and a digital copy. Um, and you also get some extras. Welcome to Jurassic World, the Jurassic World All Access Pass, the Innovation Center Tour with Chris Pratt, deleted scenes. Uh, so basically what it amounts to is there's some deleted scenes, probably about four. There's one I particularly found interesting with where she puts poo on herself because not, not that it should be in the movie, but it was just an interesting side <laughs> note to the, so yeah, do watch the deleted scenes. The making of parts. There's one which is an interview, actually, between the director and Chris Pratt, interviewing each other almost. It was pretty fluffy. It didn't really fulfill anything for me. Like I didn't learn much. There's no commentary, which I was disappointed in. But the actual main meat and potatoes part, the Welcome to Jurassic World thing, it's a standard behind-the-scenes thing. I didn't think it went deep enough, though, behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. It was pretty like on the surface. But then match that to the movie. What else do you need to know, really? I we like know to that they see did motion like, capture on the beasts, on the end creatures, and so I mean, what else is there? It's a CGI movie. It's just the way it was kind of presented was pretty like it's, when all the on the set stuff was like maybe two scenes from the movie, like you know, like they, like like they only bothered to make behind the scenes stuff two days on that movie because there's a lot of scenes in this movie and none of that was covered, you know. And yes, they did show you some of ILM stuff. I was amazed by there's a technology that ILM invented for this movie where you just hold your iPad up mm, yeah, on the set and you look at your actors and then you can drop, just drop a dinosaur in behind them to see how it will look. Like an actual, I mean, it's like a previs kind of one, but it it's a previs did app. Look quite it's an application of- that shows a previs of the whole scene, but you can on the tablet move everything around the way yeah. you want it. And the thing is running on an iPad, just a standard... So it's so different than, like, those games you've played on yeah, your... Yeah, augmented reality, they call it. On, what is it? PlayStation? Uh, Vita and yeah. the 3DS also has Where one. you actually see the room around you, and but it presents something, something, something in it. Something comes the table yeah. or whatever. Yes, but it's just running on an iPad, and there's a guy... They're making a movie, and a guy is just doing this, using it. Like, I thought that was a cool technology. I like to see technologies in movies, like... And that's just, like, something anybody could have that app if ILM let... You know, it's just on an iPad. Not necessarily. It's not special. I know, but they may not give it to anyone. No, what I mean is it's just off-the-shelf technology being used in a movie. Oh, yeah. To make a movie better, you know, because they can... um, You can can go, come here, Chris Pratt. This is what it's going to look like. Imagine. That's how close it is to you. Yeah, yeah. Look how scary it is. And then, you know, you couldn't do that before. You had to go, see that green ball over there? That's roughly where it'll be. Imagine it's scary and dribbling. It's better if you can kind of say, look, this is how it's going to look. So, um, in conclusion, thank you to Universal. What did you think of uh, Jurassic World? It was fun. It's kind of like empty calories. Excuse me. I was not disappointed. Here's what I wanted. Bigger, more intimidating beast. More interesting people. Not just cookie cutters from other movies before. Of a reaction kind of movie like this. And I'll be quite honest, and I'm sounding really heartless, but even when you say that all these people in this park are at threat, I don't feel that bad. <laughs> I thought I should. Like, oh, no, no, all the children and all the tourists and all the people. I did. There was a lot of moments where I was like, oh. I mean, I don't want something horrible to happen, but I don't feel like that's a huge threat because I get to know zero of them. I'm not, they didn't, they, you know, I mean, that kind of, 
makes me, eh, whatever. Like, you know, some of them are going to get killed and the rest are going to go on a boat and go home and that's it. So, but as far as fun goes and just seeing, instead of watching a 1930s version of Godzilla, you know, where you see Godzilla fighting King Kong and it's two dudes in suits, you can now actually go there in your mind. Yeah, it's there not, are two dinosaurs it's not, fighting in it's the not street. Like a, this is but the hope. problem is that they don't scale up enough for me. I don't. I want. To, I want something that's like, oh my god, I can't even see the. So top you want of it. Godzilla type, like where it's no, been mutated somewhere? Doesn't have, uh, I don't care how it gets that big. I just want something that's so huge. You are like Godzilla. Uh, then the new one that we watched last year. He that, wasn't that big. He was pretty big. It wasn't that big. Like big that was as a one of my complaints. But I'm he, not talking about skyscraper size. He would I'm be talking one. about like <laughs> I don't know, like a mountain size. Like uh, Pacific Rim. Those those were pretty big. Those were big. Kaiju. Um, Still, you know. Yeah, I I wasn't disappointed by Jurassic World. It was ex- oh, I wasn't disappointed. I this had zero was ex- expectations. This was exactly what I expected, kind of of it. I was like, yeah, this is probably going to be um, kind of two dimensional characters, but really good special effects, and that's what I got. I actually enjoyed the story. Um, I thought it kind of lost its way a little bit towards the end. Just turned into like, uh, okay, we're setting it up for something for some more of this. It's not a satisfactory conclusion for me, but. Uh, yeah, I I did enjoy it a lot. You know, I, I do enjoy a big action movie. I do too. It's just... I, so. I think I'm getting to the point where I want... And, and it tried to be a little tiny bit in the middle, you know. You tr- they tried to build a little bit of getting to know the people and all that. I want all or nothing. I want to really be invested in the people. And I do think that other action movies do a better job of that. Or I want absolute... Like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's almost a slow thing in like Jurassic Park when you first meet the doctor and then his the woman and the kids. You just sort of like, oh, right, okay, okay. You know, and then you, you spend time with them and then you care about them. Garden to the Galaxy is like, boom, here's the, here's the character, here's your personality wrapped up in a two second introduction and you're hooked. Like something about the way they do it. And this one, it's like, we're giving you a little time and we're giving you a little bit of this and it's mishmash. So they got to get that formula right. But I don't think Steven Spielberg's that interested in those things, to be honest. I think you're right. He wants you to get to this, the dinosaur. This is that. Yeah. Like, this is. You want. People want to see wanna, dinosaurs. Like, if they know that somebody's kids are going to watch it like 20 times, the kids aren't going to want to sit through that one five minute scene that takes five whole minutes for them to talk about the drama. it. Yeah, they want, no. or anything. Like, they just want to get to it, you know? So I can, I have respect for that. But it leaves me a little bit like wanting to watch something massively both sides, you know, really good characters and really big action. And I don't know, it's hard to pin that down. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, it's what I thought, thought it would be and I liked it. So, um, <laughs> Thanks to Universal. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschooler.com. You can win some Blu-rays. Um, next week's Blu-ray review is the new Marvel movie, Ant-Man. Feels like only a few weeks ago we watched a Marvel movie, and that was um, Age of Ultron. But uh, they're coming out thick and fast, so we're going to look at Ant-Man by Marvel. Uh, movie recommendations for this week. I am going based on Jurassic World. Uh, I'm going for Godzilla. And I'm not... I really loved the one we just watched with... Um, Heisenberg in it. Yeah. 
I really did love that movie. I thought it was cool, but I'm not actually recommending that one. I'm, I'm recommending the one that people don't like, and that's the um, Matthew Emmer- Broderick. the Matthew Broderick uh, no- Noah Emmerich one, um, which pe- <laughs> all I hear about that movie is how terrible it is. But when it came out, I was in love with it. I thought it was awesome. I watched it so many times when I got the DVD. It was just a massive, big blockbuster summer watch Godzilla smash everything up kind of movie. I thought it was really cool, and I don't understand the hate for it all the time. So I'm going to recommend it. And the other one is a 1975 movie, thinking of movies with dinosaurs, called The Land That Time Forgot. And the only reason, this is probably a bad movie. I've not seen it for many, many, many years. But as a kid, it used to be on television a lot. Especially around Easter time or Christmas time, they used to show it in the morning, and every time it was on, I would watch it. And it's one of those where people go back in time and they stranded with dinosaurs, right? Like Land of the Lost, I guess, but more serious than that. You need to get it and watch it. Yeah, so that's the Land that Time Forgot from 1975. And mine are not movies. Mine are a little left field here today because. Sometimes when you recommend things, it doesn't have to be a movie. It could be something that you just want to watch while you're just sitting in front of your smart TV or your laptop or your computer or on your phone in the office, wherever. Or your dumb TV. You can't watch some of this on your dumb TV, but not the way I'm going to recommend it. (laughs) Because you can't watch America's Test Kitchen 24 hours a day on the dumb TV. But you can just go to the PBS, any app or any smart TV or whatever. But So first one's America's Test Kitchen. It's also called something else. Um... Country. Cook's Country. Cook's Country. America's Test Kitchen. Now, it's a PBS show. I don't know why I've gotten to where I just really love it, look forward to it. As soon as it comes on, even if I've seen that episode, I'll still watch it all again. It's just cooking. It's straight up cooking with the Well, they test stuff, which is cool. They do. It's kind of a science aspect to it. It's like like sometimes they like to... They'll say why, like if you're boiling corn on the cob and you add a teaspoon of baking soda and then they tell you the scientific explanation for that. They do a lot of vegetarian or vegan versions And they do a lot of tests, like they'll test 10 can openers and tell you which is the best one. Which sounds like riveting, but it's actually (laughs) fun to watch. (laughs) Sounds like grandma TV, but Mm -hmm. it's actually really good. And I also like Martha Cook's, Martha Cooking School or whatever, but... I noticed that Martha lost that golden glow around her. She's not quite as She's not angelic. But it's good. That one's good, too. She's very low-key compared to the guy from... I don't know any of their names on America's Test. Phil, he's called them. And I've watched them so many. They, might be. Yeah, Phil's something. And the other one is... what I can't help it, really. It's like a compulsion for me to like this show now. It's called Bob's Burgers. And I don't... You can watch it on Netflix up I until... I think you mentioned it before, too. I don't know. Probably single episodes, but... It just makes me laugh every time, every time, and I can watch the same episode, and I do, 20 times, and I still laugh at the same parts over and over and over, and, you know, if it ended, then the, the, the last one was the last one, I'd still watch all six seasons, just, I start over at the beginning, and I just keep watching them over and over. You do. I notice them on quite often. And it's nothing to do with the people necessarily. Like, the people behind the voices don't care about that. I mean, yeah, I've gotten used to the voices, so if they would change, it would be weird. But it's just, I don't know, they, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. So, Bob's Burgers and America's Test Kitchen. And I want to uh, talk about games and Ace Scully stuff. Uh, not, uh, well, I've been playing some games this week. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was the Steam Link and the Steam Controller some more. Some more thoughts after using it for another week. It's been a couple of weeks now to use it. 
And the Steam controller, another thing that I read online, uh, you know, in those forums, is uh, people just shitting on the Steam controller, saying they don't like it, you might as well buy an Xbox controller, it's too hard to use. After a couple of weeks, I am not even thinking about it anymore to use. It's just became... Like, in fact, I put an Xbox 360 controller in my hand yesterday to play something else on my PC, and that felt weird. So I don't think it actually matters what controller you use, it's just how long you use it. Like, you get used to the one you use. Now, a Steam controller being, like, you know, very non-traditional controller. It's very, very different to a normal controller. It only has one analog stick and two trackpads. At first, it's really alien, it's really difficult, and you think, oh my god, I'm just going to have to throw this away. There's no way this could work. But like I said to you, I've been playing the Overwatch beta, which is Blizzard's um, new shooter. They're doing a beta of it this week, and I've been playing it this week. And I've been playing it with the controller sat on the couch, and it's a hardcore first-person shooter that you really need very precise aim over. And I've been winning as much as I do with the mouse and keyboard, so you've just got to give it a little time, and it's cool. Things that I've found cool uses for it are, I love this game called Cook, Serve, Delicious, which is like a really casual restaurant simulator kind of game. It's a lot of fun. I play it on the PC. It's a mouse and keyboard type game. But on the Steam controller, it's completely playable. So you can pull it up on your TV now, and it's got Steam controller support. And all the things are mapped to the to the touchpads. Like it's really it's actually really cool. When you're actually cut like you say you've got to prepare a fish in the game. You gotta cut its head off, cut its tail off, fillet it, and then throw it in the pot. Well, they've done it by swipes across the touchpad, so it feels like it's like you're slicing with a knife. So you go slice, slice by rubbing your thumb across the touchpad. When you pull in a pint of beer, for instance, you swipe down on the touchpad from the top to the bottom slowly, and it like pours the beer into the glass, and then you stop swiping when the glass is full. They've implemented all these swipe movements. I imagine it would also work amazingly on a tablet, that game, so it really lends itself well to having touchpads. So um, I'm really digging the um, Steam controller and the Steam Link being able to play any of your Steam games on the TV. And so long as you've got a wired network, it works fantastically. You wouldn't even know you were doing a stream. It feels like your PC is connected to the TV. Um, the whole deal, like, you know, it's a hundred bucks for the whole thing, the, the controller and the Steam Link. If you don't have a PC hooked up to your TV, but you have a powerful gaming PC in another room, it's a good way of doing it, you know, without having to buy another PC to put in your living room or move the PC, which not a lot of people want a noisy PC in the living room. So it solves that because this thing doesn't have any fans or anything. The other game I've been playing on the Vita is Super Beat Sonic, spelled with an X, X-O-N-I-C. And that's a, um, I've always been a big fan of these games, don't know why. DJ Max was the series that started these off. They're Korean rhythm games. And uh, this is the latest. It's not a DJ Max title. They've kind of evolved and gone to a different... So it's called uh, Super Beat Sonic. Um, Super Beat. And what it is, it's a rhythm game for the Vita. And it uses a touchscreen. And notes come towards you like Guitar Hero. And you click them when they come towards you. And you, uh, you, know, you go through different songs. But the songs are not... Like, when you buy Guitar Hero, you're probably going to know most of the songs. Because they're Western songs. In these games, because they're made in Korea, it's mostly Korean pop music or Japanese pop music. There's a bunch of different stuff. There's some house music, there's some dubstep, 
there's some rock music from you know some of it's in english some of it's in korean or japanese but it doesn't really matter all the songs are really catchy what i've said to you is like and i was i was singing a japanese song to myself yesterday because i've been playing this one track so much to try and get it right and i don't know what they're saying because it's not even in english but i'm singing along to it and the beat's really cool and what i said to you is the music in this game it's all cool and it sounds just like western music it just happens to have a different language like it sound there's one song that's that you would swear is a taylor swift record but it's not because it's you know some japanese band or whatever but it's like you know, music. Maybe Western music sounds like that. Yeah. Whatever happened in the pop side of things or the dance side of things, it translates all around the world. Only the language is different. The sound of it is, it, you immediately recognize the sound of the music. You're like, yep, that's kind of like Calvin Harris. That's kind of like Taylor Swift. That's kind of like Madonna. But you then know. again, maybe those things are like Korean music. Yeah, favorite. maybe. Maybe those people yeah. get influences. So, yeah. It, even though you won't know any of the music, I am humming along, singing along in my head to a lot of the tunes on it. It's on the Vita exclusively. You can play it on the PlayStation TV as well. Um, and it's called Super Beat Sonic. And you know what? It's probably going to be one of the games this year that I spend the most... If you had to total up playtime of games, I bet you that one comes really high because it's you can just pick the Vita up, play a few minutes and put it back down. And I tend to do that with that game. So that is Super Beat Sonic. Uh... So, Sid Talk, let's get out of here. Well, not yet. What's for dinner? Subway! This program is not sponsored by Subway. <laughs> so, yes, Subway. We can't I believe talk this. much about Subway. I don't really want to cook, and I don't really want to... The more I have to buy, the less I have to spend, so Subway is pretty contained. And your advice? What is my advice? Oh, say something of substance at least once a day. And if... That sounds snotty, as if I think I say something of substance every day. I do. <laughs> because I guess I have this line down between what's substantial and teetering on meaningful versus absolute fucking drivel every day. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody that lasted more than like 10 minutes, and the entire conversation consists of the weather... And then some weather, and last year's weather, and two years ago the weather, and next week the weather. And what do you think about the weather? And work sucks. And that's it. For ten minutes you can have that conversation with somebody, and it makes my mind want to turn into sludge and just drain out of my ears right in front of them. So that the next conversation they have with somebody is going to be like, holy shit, you should have seen this woman I was just talking to. Her brain turned to mush and it ran out of her ears. Well, At least they won't I'm be talking about the weather. I am thinking that it's not actually a conversation because if you... I, I wouldn't be engaged no. in that. It's a one-sided conversation, definitely. Because I'm thinking, somebody, think somebody at your work is you're referring to yep. will be talking to you about the weather. Yep. There's no way you are discussing the weather with her. How you're, do you think I respond? Not just one going, person either. No, it's oh, not just one person. You're probably going, it's multiples. oh, really? Just wait and see. You're probably saying that. <laughs> or like, you know what? I don't think we have any control over that. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, last week it was this, and they're saying it's going to be like this next week, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any control over that, and... I mean, if I have, even if I, and then the, well, we got plans to go so and so, and I'm like, wait, so you can what put in an order for better weather? Because don't rather that up. I don't like it all rolled up. 
He's rolling up my cord again. And it was perfect the way it was, by the way. Just perfect. Drive me crazy. Drive me crazy. <laughs> Just leave it the way it was. I'll fix it in a minute. Because <laughs> when I want to use it, it's not available to me. I'm not easy to live with, everyone. I don't know if you know this. But then again, I think, why am I supposed to be the difficult one? Why can't it be everybody else who's difficult? I think it is. I think we're all equally difficult. But just say something of substance. And I don't mean like, oh, I love you or something about your religion or something about politics. Because that's all the same shit, too. All of it. If I say I love you 50 times a day, it's not more meaningful every time I say it. If, um, yeah, if I say, if I make some observation like, oh, the presidential election is going to be interesting. That's not substantive. Substance. That's not interesting. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It's, it's nothing. It's empty. Like I ask you, you'll say something, and I'll be like, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Exactly. Give me an example of what you mean. And then it's kind of like you repeat the same sentence again. And I say, yeah, but what's the... Right, but what makes you think that? Or why do you think that? And then you repeat the same sentence again. Not you, you. You as in the person I'm talking to. And then it's like, but that's, that's not saying anything. How did you come to that conclusion? Oh, wait, that's right. You didn't come to that conclusion. You're vomiting out the same shit that you heard five minutes ago or you read on Fox News or CNN or whatever news source you have or the conversation you had five minutes ago was also about the weather. I just get so sick of talking about the weather. It's like, I don't even understand those conversations anymore. I mean, I understand, but I don't get it. I know people are fascinated by the weather. I do know that. What's fascinating about, look, it's snowing. I'm going to have to shovel the driveway. Oh my God, the end of the world's going to come because I'm going to have to drive to work in the snow. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've lived in this state, in this part of the world, for most of my 48 years. And almost every time that this time of year rolls around, this kind of thing happens. Now, I've lived in California through a winter, and I've lived in Florida through a winter. These things don't happen there. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. True. <laughs> okay, so, so in gonna, the future, just don't talk to me about the weather. I'm going to say something of substance now, and that <laughs> is, you want to visit our website, sayschooly.com, sitto.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can yeah. also catch this podcast on the iTunes music store, stitcher.com. You can search for after the show. You can also find it on the Xbox, and you can also find it on the RSS feed. Just go to ayschooly.com. Click on the word podcast. You can listen to it there. You can subscribe there. Email feedback to me at aschoolyatascoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Mr. Steven Spielberg. Even though you didn't make this movie. I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will do it for you.